Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Horseshoe, everyone. Well, outside the Horseshoe, at least yeah. the Monday after. Um, that's going to be a weekly thing for us. Tim and I are going to come back down here, go around the city, maybe to uh, find different spots on campus. Talk about what happened the Saturday before on the Monday after the Saturday that happened. Tim, uh, Monday morning, Monday afternoon quarterback. Well, we're not going to steal anybody's sayings because I think that's been used. No, quite that's a few not times. a saying. Have you ever heard anybody say oh, yeah. Monday afternoon quarterback? Oh no, no but. Uh, so, Tim, first of all, the parking lot looks like it's pretty clean. Uh, when I walked out of this place uh, Sunday morning about 2 o'clock, this place was a yeah. looked like a dumpster. It was been... like that before the game. I had to walk through it uh, to get to, to get to my to get to the press box. Uh, we did the uh, the radio show downtown. They moved it downtown because of the storms that were going through, which, by the way, didn't go through between like 3 and 10. But that's another story. But you're right. I mean, they cleaned this place up pretty quickly. Yeah, and, uh, you know. I don't like the tr all the trash that's left, but the amount of trash that was out here showed how big and crazy the tailgate scene was. So we'll give Ohio State fans a little bit of credit for that, but use the trash cans, guys. They're everywhere. Uh, anyway. They were full. Well, go ahead. That's another story. Let's go. Let's Enough trash talk, as we should call it. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, Saturday, Ohio State 21, number two, Ohio State 21, number five, Notre Dame uh, 10. Tim, just couple days removed uh, yeah. biggest takeaway from just what you saw in the horseshoe on Saturday night from this Ohio State team whether that's offensively defense special teams or uh, you know from the coaching staff yeah well as I'm writing about uh, for for later Monday or early Tuesday competitive stamina there were the two words that came out of Ryan Day's mouth almost more than anything else in the last eight and a half months since that uh, since the 2021 season was over with that ridiculous comeback win over Utah in the Rose Bowl but the uh, competitive stamina which means not only do you get in the best shape possible, but then you get in the best shape possible to be able to finish games. Not 
the Rummy Dummy games, and this would classify Ohio State versus Arkansas State, first time ever, as a little bit of a Rummy Dummy game based on the fact Ohio State being a 45-point favorite as we speak right now. But the big games that matter, opening with number five, Notre Dame, what are you going to be, how are you going to be playing in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter? I thought that was what really stood out was Ohio State took over the game in the last 20 minutes. And 11 points isn't a route except when it's 21 to 10. Then it's you've more than doubled your opponent's score. That's sort of like quasi a route, agreed? And I thought Ohio State played this game to the end just like uh, Ryan Day wanted, shut out Notre Dame in the second half, outscored them 14 to nothing. That's how you win games. Yeah, and so now that you say it like that, it is a route as an airplane flies over. Of course, yeah. we're trying to film the video. This is like being at Flushing Meadows during the U.S. Open. But anyways, uh, you know, tennis. It kind of is a little bit of a route when you put it like that. When you talk about how, uh, you know, Ohio State held them to 10 points, scored 21. That's double the points. If it was 40 to 20 or 60 to 30, that's a route. Um, 21 to 10 is a route, especially with what Ohio State's defense did in the second half. My biggest takeaway from this game is uh, almost a little bit of pride from a lot of people around the country not panicking over this Ohio State offense. I think people kind of understood the nature of this game. It was a ground and pound game. Ohio State didn't need the firepower offensively to get it done. They just decided, I mean, really, if we think, want to think about it from a different way, Notre Dame said, hey, we're going to muck this game up. We're only going to give you four second half possessions. And we're going to shorten it. And, if, and you know what Ohio State said? Go ahead. Yeah. And that, that, you know what? That's enough because. I'm not sure Ohio State gave that kind of approval. It was more like tacit approval. Well, I, you if like. If that's what you want to play. You like to go. If that's the way you want to play, take your best shot. I think was more of it. Yeah, but you like to take that literally. And I say, I know, Ohio State says, go ahead, as in, okay, if this is what you want to do, we're going to go 95 yards and, and uh, take your throat and take your windpipe away because that's exactly what Ohio State did. It was 14 to 10. We can't Ohio run? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're saying to them, can't run? Watch this. Yeah. Can't CJ Stroud's having an off night? Watch this. Yeah. That's exactly what they did in that 95-yard drive. And so Ohio State said, okay, Notre Dame, fine. If this is what you really want to do, if this is actually how you want to play, um, this is not your uh, you know, last year's Ohio State team. This is a newfound toughness Ohio State team. This is a team that, that has that competitive stamina, competitive excellence, as Ryan Day likes to say. That's my biggest takeaway. And the offense, for all of its flaws on Saturday, uh, proved a lot to a lot of people. And that's why I'm not concerned about it at all. Because if Ohio State, so here, Tim, if Ohio State would have come out and thrown the ball all over and scored 45 points and had 2.3 yards of carry, we would be standing here talking about how nothing has changed in this offense whatsoever. But the fact that we had to, we had to see Ohio State establish the run, Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson get those tough yards, Ohio State's offensive line physically dominate Notre Dame, and Ohio State's passing game be the complement to that, that tells me that this is an evolved Ohio State team because I already know that the passing game is going to be fine. I have no doubts that C.J. Stroud and those guys are going to figure it out whenever Jackson Smith and Jigba gets healthy. But the and by the way, we're, we're, I understand that he's dealing, we understand he's dealing with a hamstring situation uh, and how quickly he can come back from that is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, uh, I don't know if I call that breaking news, but uh, it'll be interesting because they have two weeks here where they could rest him if they want to. Uh, whether that in fact is the, is the uh, prescription for that remains to be seen. But go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt your diatribe, your soliloquy here. So yeah, Tim, I mean, and. You said it best, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, if, if, he, if he needs to be out for a couple weeks, so be it. They're not going to have trouble with Arkansas State and Toledo. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that they will. So, 
this offense, <laughs> this offense has its ways of beating you now. You got to learn to be an actor. Go ahead now. This offense has its way of beating you, and that's just the simple truth. And you know, I'll just say it now. Get it out of the way on Monday. I'm not sure I need to be an actor because the fans will tell me everything I need to know on Saturday. There's not going to be 106,000 people here. It's not going to be as rocking as it was. Even the Toledo game that's at night, it's not going to be like it was. And that tells you, you know, these fans know when to get rowdy. These fans know to get loud, and I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, what's, what's funny for me is uh, when they announced the Notre Dame game is going to be primetime season opener, everybody was fired up about it. Then when they announced also Toledo is going to be a primetime game, everybody's going, why are they playing Toledo at 7 o'clock at night? I mean, yeah, what's up with that? I mean, you can, it's just funny how the, the fans, uh, the, the fickleness of the fans uh, flows back and forth. And what stood out to me the other night, like you're talking about, uh, they did not get the aerial show they expected to see, the 106,000-plus in frenzied Ohio Stadium. From, but they were those fans were into that game from the beginning to the end. They kind of had to be to really see what happened there, to stick around and see what happened there in the late in the second half. And uh, that just stood out to me from the standpoint of they wanted to see the defense rise to the occasion. First play out of the gate, wow. That was not the, that was not the plan by Jim Knowles, et cetera. Uh, but then they held that held out that big play. They held them to a field goal, and then in the second and, and later on, uh, Notre Dame turns up a, a, a player catching a ball, laying on his back into a field goal, touchdown. And, or touchdown, excuse me. And uh, they take the halftime lead, 10 to seven, and you're just kind of going, well, that's not what you expected. But you know what? Other than those two plays, as you pointed out late Saturday night, they shut this offense down. New starting quarterback, yeah. A uh, little, little, not anywhere near as multi-dimensional as Ohio State. Yeah, but they shut them down in the second half. Shut them out. I think the fans understood. They're savvy enough to understand what they just saw the other night. They saw a defense that is definitely greatly improved from a year ago and right out of the gate. This isn't a 30 or 40 percent improvement. This looks like a 60 or 70 percent improvement as we speak. I think you agree, right? Well, Tim. Pat you on the back. I appreciate that segue. It's a perfect segue for me, actually. Uh, we're going to talk defense now. Uh, yes. I read it just like you wrote it. 60%, 70%. I would agree with that. I don't think this is a finished product, though. Oh, um, no. There were times where guys were out of assignment, and athleticism made up for that. There were times where Tyler Buckner broke contain. Athleticism made up for that. Uh, there were times where Michael Mayer caught the ball, and instead of getting the five or six yards after the catch, you know, he's a guy that you depend on to get those two to three extra yards just based on how he falls down? No, that didn't happen. Right. And that's, I don't know how bad this defense truly was last year, but I know every time a guy could have possibly fell two or three more yards, he was falling two or three more yards. That did not happen Saturday. And there were breakaways last year, including in that Oregon game, which killed Ohio State. Mm -hmm. You saw some guys break through that front line, first line the other night, I'm talking about from a running game standpoint, including Buckner. But uh, by the time he was another 10 yards down the field, he was getting tackled sometimes by three guys. That was what was missing last year. There was just a, it was almost a free-form kind of uh, situation for the Ohio State defense at times against the better teams I'm talking about, Oregon and Michigan. Uh, when a guy broke contain, you know, well, that Oregon game was a great example. Uh, there was nobody there. And the discipline that the safeties played with right out of the gate, in my opinion, with a couple of three plays was outstanding. Uh, the pressure they brought from a defensive front standpoint throughout the game was outstanding, but especially the way it opened lanes occasionally for Tommy Eichenberg. From this time right now, uh, uh, this time a year ago until now, Tommy Eichenberg, Tommy Eichenberg is probably the most improved defensive player in the country. That is not hyperbole. I mean, watch the video. 
uh, he knows what he's doing, he knows where he's going, and he's trusting the guys around him to get after it in the same way. And that, that's just an example of where how far this defense has come in eight months. So, Tim, I wanted to kind of take it a little further. And that's just, not just for me, but for my good buddy Jeff Snook and Matt Wilhelm and everybody else. Go ahead now. So, I think I wanted to take this into a, a little bit of a different direction because we're going to praise the defense a lot. I mean, a lot. Because what we saw Saturday night back here behind us in this 100-year-old building was more than impressive. I don't really know the word for it. Um, but there's got to be a, an area where this defense can get better. Jim yeah. Knowles knows that area. Um, it's a little more difficult for us to see. We don't have the all 22. We don't have, you know, the the full scouting report of, you know, down and distance, guys in position, what play was supposed to be run, where they were supposed to be. If you had one area to critique this defense moving forward on where it should be, where it can go, where it could be, what is that one area? Uh, edge, uh, edge rushing. Uh, thought that was a that was JT Tuimolo, JT Tuimolo out got good pressure the other night, you know, but the edge rushers come, you know, I expected maybe see Jack Sawyer flash a little bit more than he did, but a lot of times when he was in there in that Leo look, and he floated around that Leo look a lot, uh, I was surprised they, maybe they used it more than I thought they would. Uh, but it is part and parcel to the Jim Knowles 425 defense that also features three safeties. Uh, but uh, they, most of their quarterback, real get after the quarterback stuff came, but came between the tackles and basically came from Mike Hall in those defensive tackles with the occasional uh, blitz, whatever you want to call it, from the linebackers. Uh, that, But as I pointed out, Matt Wilhelm, I talked about that on my podcast this week. Uh, you can see that tomorrow. Uh, that was a lot to do, though, with containing Buckner. Because Buckner came in, reputed as a really good runner. He kind of flashed that a couple of times, but they didn't let him get loose. They didn't let him kill him kill them with it and uh, that is one edge though I mean so you know you want your you want your ends keeping that in mind when they're rushing etc against Arkansas State I think you'll see a much more active uh, end game from the Ohio State defense well and I think part of the reason why you saw Ohio State attack from the interior so much not just the defensive line they got home with four quite often uh, to be to be frank but when they when they did bring pressures on the inside and I think that was because when Notre Dame decides it's missing a, well, not really decides, but when Notre Dame finds out it's missing an All-American potential uh, guard, yeah, uh, you attack the backup. And so, uh, you know, Jarrett Patterson didn't play in this game. That's not to say that Ohio State didn't play well in in that interior, but Notre Dame was without. Oh, Ohio State played great yeah. in the interior most of the night. But Notre Dame was without one of its best offensive linemen. Agreed. No, yeah. It was without its best offensive linemen. Yeah. And so, where do you attack? You attack the interior. If Ohio State wanted to, it probably could have sent some of that pressure with Jack Sawyer off the edge. But when you figure out that you're playing so well and getting that pressure from the inside, you know, why give away? Yeah. You know, put on film. But I'm just talking about Jack going. Sawyer I'm just talking it. about going into the game. They had to keep. They had to have in mind Buckner and his ability to run. And you didn't want him breaking around the pocket and doing kinds of things. If he ran anywhere, you want him scrambling up the middle, which I think they pretty much did that. Kept did that job on Saturday night. But you're you're right too. I mean, Patterson was a former big-time center who moved to guard and then he had to skip the game. Yeah, you take you know, you take advantage where somebody's missing. Uh, just like, you know, we're going to get into who ended up missing for Ohio State, Julian Fleming. Boom, your depth is already tested in that wide receiver room. And then you lose Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first half. He gets popped on the sidelines. And somehow or another, during that whole frenzy, the way he got popped, he supposedly suffered some kind of hamstring pull strain, whatever you want to call it. 
and uh, who ends up catching the go-ahead touchdown pass for the Ohio State University? Yeah, Xavier Johnson. But I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to veer back. I hate to do it to you. I'm going to veer back to this defense oh, because okay. I want to keep talking I about it. thought we exhausted that. No, I want to get get to this this wide receiver room because it's interesting, uh, the depth moving forward. But, you know, I, I I think we might just look at it two, two sides of the same coin here. I don't think Ohio State needed to bring pressure off the edge with Jack Sawyer. They could have. Um, and Jim Knowles even said they kept it pretty basic so guys could fly around. If that means not bringing Jack Sawyer but instead showing A-gap blitzes with Tommy Eichenberg, with Steel Chambers, with Cody Simon, then so be it because now that was the plan when you face uh, Wisconsin I don't really think you need it against Iowa because that offense is so bad um, but when you face some of these better offenses that you're going to see on this schedule you've got that and the other team doesn't have it on film because you're not going to show it against Arkansas State you're not going to show it against Toledo you might not even have to show it um, with, a, with a run game like Wisconsin's when the, the passing game isn't really there for the I think Badgers. you show it when you get to show it because you know why you want that next opponent having so much more to deal with than he did yeah. than the previous opponent. I'm talking about from a preparation standpoint. I think you show it when you can show it. I mean, that's the way I would go about it. That's the way a lot of teams go about it. But like I said, I don't think that was the plan anyway going into this game. Yeah. And then number two, you know, I wrote and talked about for like months, I thought the ability for this team to attack the A-gaps opposed to a year ago was so heightened by the rise of Mike Hall. Teron Vincent, I think, is playing on another level now. I think he did the other night. And those defensive linemen, uh, uh, I, I, that was showcased in this game, in my opinion. It verified what you were talking about, about Mike Hall in the week leading up and through the uh, preseason camp. And I, I heavily endorse that now. I think Mike Hall is a difference maker inside, uh, just like Georgia had a few of those last year. That's what really, makes you, as the season goes on, makes you feared by opposing offenses is having a guy who can be in a quarterback's face in three steps. And whether he gets to him or not is not the case. It alters the play. Jim Knowles, in, uh, he swears by that approach and uh, along with his other stuff he does. So that's what stood out to me. Yeah, I'm interested now with Mike Hall's rise, Teron Vincent playing really well. You can well. tell I really mean because I'm really using my hands. Mike Hall's playing well. Teron Vincent played really well. I don't think the stats showed up for him, but he, he did play really well. Uh, I think I thought Ty Hamilton did all right when he was in there. I'm interested to see, uh, Tim, I don't, I don't want to hijack the conversation and take it this way because we need to get to the offense, but I'm just interested to see where this leaves Tyleek Williams. I think he's a really talented player. I think he still struggled mightily against the run on Saturday night um, in one-on-ones when he's trying to shed blocks. He's still a good good player against the pass, um, and, and I don't doubt his ability to get there against the run. But right now, if you need somebody in the middle to stop the run, it's not going to be Tyler Williams. It's going to be Teron Benson and Mike Hall. What do you have on the schedule coming up? A lot of teams that want to run the ball. And so I, you know, I'm just interested to see this defensive line rotation. I think it might get pared down a little bit. Um, and we'll see. We'll yeah. see where it goes. But I'm they, not. I'm not going to draw any conclusions from this game. They but could I'm just use the interested. next couple of games to get Tyler Williams really going in that in that direction. Also, yeah. I mean that's that'll be interesting. But he's he's too much of a talent to just say, hey, go over there and sit down. No, I, I agree with that, and that's why I'm you know I'm just interested to oh, see I know you are. I know how you are. this rotation works because if my call is playing that well, you're nitpicking. That's what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. So okay, let's switch back. You wanted to talk about this receiver room. I want to talk about the receiver room. Everybody's curious. What's Julian Fleming up to? What's Jackson Smith and Jigba up to? Short answer is they're in the training room probably right now, honestly, yeah. getting getting their bodies probably all night for Wisconsin um, because, you know, again, Jackson Smith and Jigba does not need to play against Arkansas State no matter what. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I don't think, unless he's 100% ready to go, should play against Toledo. Um, Julian Fleming's another story, kind of a surprise pop-up injury. Um, and now this wide receiver room's thin. I know Xavier Johnson had a great catch. He's talented. He had two um, great catches. 
and a, and a, and a tackle on the kickoff return. And no, I'm not going to say that he's not talented at all. That's not what I'm saying. I, yeah. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying Jaden Ballard is not talented. He's a very good player. Yeah. Those two are simply not Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming see, you can't top in talent-wise. And okay. so all I'm saying is this offense will be better if those two are on the field. It doesn't have to be better than it was. But you can't pine. You can't. And when you're a coach, man, you can't pine away for that because you've got you've to use the guys that are available. You've got to have guys that are, to me, it was a compliment to Brian Hartline and to Ryan Day and the offensive staff that Jaden Ballard was ready to play in this game and that Xavier Johnson was ready to play in this game and at a high level. That was that was a high level. It would I mean, forget about whether he just got his opportunity. He stepped up there. He saw the two safeties step up just like CJ Stroud did on that touchdown pass. He knew exactly where to go. He knew the post cut to take. He knew to get the, the defender on his backside to his right as he cut up on the inside, right to left. And boom, he's wide open, and uh, C.J. Stride hits him in stride. That, is, that means a guy has put in not only the work, but he's paid attention. And to me, you know, J Jackson Smith and Jigba could not play at that point, or at least they ruled him out at that point. Uh, and I know where you're going with this, but you can't spend your whole life, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about fans in general. You can't spend your whole life going, well, golly, you know what I mean? Because golly's going to be part of football. Well. But that's why we're not the coaches, and we don't have to worry about that. I, I, I can say for certain that if, with Jackson Smith and Jigba and with Julian Fleming, this offense is better. But let me tell you this. If, if Jackson Smith and Jigba had been in that slot and run that route and been on the field, they might not have blitzed those two safeties, or they might, not, they might have only blitzed one. They figured that guy covering this guy they've never heard of, Xavier Johnson, could handle it. He could not. And so all that is to say that you don't need – the, the top of your depth chart at wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming, because Julian was going to start in this game. You don't need those guys to, I mean, I guess you didn't need them to beat Notre Dame. You, you probably don't need them to beat Arkansas State, and you probably don't need them to beat Toledo. But some, at some point, those two guys are going to be needed. Can they get healthy? I think yes. I think Julian Fleming is more, uh, you know, ready to play, I guess, now. If well, he's dealing with that shoulder, obviously, yeah. throughout camp. And, uh even popped it out one time, popped it back in in a scrimmage, went back in and caught two touchdown passes. That might not have been the best thing for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? As so, you look back on it. But but who was I talking about last week, in the last couple of weeks? I even wrote a story about last week. I'm whispering because uh, uh, I just, you know, sometimes I get humble. You know what I mean? But I was talking about Emeka Egbuka. Emeka Egbuka led the team in receiving, I think, and uh, had a touchdown catch, uh, stepped up. Uh, gave them that first big play that really got them on the map uh, offensively this, this season with that little catch and run, uh, that little out cut. That guy is, has big time written all over him. Uh, there's room because he's only wearing what, number two, so you can write big time on, in, the, in the open spaces. But uh, like I said, the depth of, of this receiver room was tested immediately this season, and in my opinion, they passed the grade. So all of that is to say that I think Ohio State's offensive game plan took a hit when Jackson Smith and Jigba went down. Um, because when you plan on a defense bracketing a guy, when you plan on a defense double teaming a guy, when you plan on a defense having to mold everything it does to trying to stop the best receiver in college football, and he does not play 90% of your snaps, that does impact what you do offensively. It took Ohio State a couple quarters 
to get back into a groove of what they should do game plan wise because they had to take that game plan I would imagine and throw it to the side and figure out something new. You know what a play you know a play though that's haunting Ryan Day was haunting Ryan Day Saturday night even after the eleven point runaway win. <laughs> was it was a play just before halftime when you had when you had trips or to the right side basically in a bunch formation and Jackson Smith and Jigba was back on the field then and was uh, this was after he'd gotten popped. He was back on the field then and at the snap, two of the three receivers in the bunch were looking at the sideline when the snap happened. And when they finally realized the play had started, they went into their into their routes. And that was the play where CJ Stroud, did he throw behind Emeka Egbuka or did uh, Emeka Egbuka not stop like he was supposed to? Who knows? The bottom line was that was an opportunity to really get a grip on that game right there. They failed and then missed the field goal attempt. So there are things they definitely need coming out of this game need to work on. But Jack Smith and Jigmo was still on the field at that point. You follow my drift? I mean, there were still going to be some growing pains with this new group, even though the lion's share of them played in the Rose Bowl last year and that incredible comeback come from behind win. Uh, in, a, in an opening game, just think, I mean, I thought they played defensively with the exception, like you talked about, two plays, really. They played, well, three plays, really. They played extremely well right out of the gate. And I thought offensively in the second half when they needed to show they were tough and physical and, were, and could run the ball again when they needed to run the ball, uh, they got that, they sent that message. You, As you keep pointing out, the passing game is going to get there. It's fine. It's already there. Yeah. I mean, they just need to, like, a little bit more grease here on some of the wheels, and they'll be fine. So the lesson learned here is Ohio State's offense can be great without Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming. It will be great, greater, with yeah. those guys in the lineup. I imagine those guys will be in the lineup at some point, um, and this offense will be full go, steam ahead, um, with Trey Van Henderson and Maya Williams. I and think Kate Stover caught as many passes the other night as Jake Ballard did during his whole career at Ohio State from tight end. For example, they leaned on him a little bit. Marvin Harrison Jr. and C.J. Stroud seemed to be a little bit off kilter at times the other night, but he also, Marvin Harrison Jr. made a couple of key catches in that game. You're exactly right. And then Mayan Williams, like I said earlier, I thought his, I thought his greatest play the other on that last drive that mattered was running that wheel route, uh, realizing uh, C.J. had scrambled and came back and made a great catch on the sideline right in front of the Notre Dame bench to keep that drive going, really, to propel that drive. I mean, there are all kinds of like plaudits there that when things broke down, they still found a way. And, uh, you know, I think that should give everyone who's rooting for Ohio State uh, definite confidence in where this thing could be going. Yeah, because when they get those guys back, they'll be even better. And so, yeah, but you, know, you, but, you know, who knows if you get them back? You got to bring along the guys you've got. That's the, that's the point I keep bringing up. Uh, you got to play with who you got, and I thought they did a good job in the fourth quarter, especially at playing with who they had. So, Saturday at noon, Ohio State and Arkansas State. Uh, that'll kick off. Bush like Jones said, led Arkansas noon. State. Um, you know who's coming back? Brian Sneed. The Brian Sneed, who was who was run off from Ohio State back in uh, uh, 2019 by Ryan Day after he he had to skip almost all of the 2018 season after a problem uh, he was accused of. There was never a trial that was brought about it, uh, but uh, the, the, what do you call it, the disciplinary board uh, of Ohio State, in essence, uh, did rule against him in a lot of ways, and uh, 
Urban Meyer suspended him for the rest of that 2018 season. He transferred to a junior college. Then where did he go? That's right, Austin P. And then where did he go? Arkansas State. And now he's going to be back in Ohio Stadium. So he, he was the second leading rusher for Arkansas State. Um, you know, so he'll be back in the horseshoe. James Blackman, a guy who started for two years at Florida State, is going to be their quarterback. Is their yep. quarterback. Uh, he's had a weird journey to where he is. They've got some players. They benefited from the transfer portal uh, this year, uh, and uh, we'll see where it gets them. But like you said earlier, Grambling State was not a good barometer. No, and James Blackman. Uh, was not good last year for Arkansas State on a 2-10 and ten team. Well, Arkansas State was not very good, No. period. Um, I don't think they're in incrementally better. Or, I mean, I think they're incrementally better, but I don't think they're a lot better. Uh, this is a game that Ohio State should be able to get those true freshmen in the game, uh, get some reps, um, whether that, you know, get Kyle McCord in this game, get some reps. This is one of those games you have to come out, be good early, get C.J. Stroud off the field, and see what you've got with other guys. And, and, and where Ohio State has decisive advantage is on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about the lines. Uh, that, that's, where I, that's where this game will be taken over, I do believe, early by Ohio State. So, you know, I'm not going to make a score prediction on Monday because I do like Me to Me neither. I, I may not make score prediction anymore because I think they're kind of stupid. Because we looked at last week's game, we're going off, well, wait a minute, Vegas has got these guys as 59 points over under. They've got Ohio State as a 17-point uh, favorite was dropped to 16 the day before the game. Uh, what do they know? So you're just kind of going, well, you know what? There's that feel-good situation coming out of that Rose Bowl that they, nothing can stop this offense. And uh, that's not accurate. That was not accurate uh, going into this game as it, as, we, as it turns out to be. Ohio State still wins by 11, still wins by double figures, and a lot of people think they underachieved. I thought what they proved in the second half especially told me all I want to know about this Ohio State football team, both sides of the ball. Well, I will counter that by saying Ohio State left three on the board with a missed field goal. It should have been seven. Meke Buka catches that pass, or CJ Stroud puts it in front of him. That's probably a seven. Ifs and buts. I, I understand ifs and buts, Tim. I'm just telling you, you know, Notre Dame got those two plays, and other than that, got completely shut down. But nothing came easy for Ohio State the other night. That's what I, stands out. Nothing came easy, and they still figured out a way to finally just ground, ground and pound. Uh, even Marcus Freeman was saying they got to – uh, on the other side after the game he was saying we've got we've got a good team we've got to learn how to finish games well that was what what did we hear from uh, Ryan Day after a couple of those games last year almost the same thing so all I all that is to say um, the postgame win expectancy for Ohio State was was 93.1 uh, percent uh, they should have covered the spread in the, in the horseshoe and on Saturday night I don't expect them to have any issues covering the spread against Arkansas it's State. It's 45 points. I'll go ahead and say give the points. I don't care. Okay. I think Arkansas State's bad. I think Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. Um, temper my expectations when I, when I feel like it because sure. you know, I saw a good Ohio State It's your whim, man. I saw a good Ohio State team physically dominate in the fourth quarter. A, good, a really good Notre Dame team. Yes. I'm going to give Notre Dame a lot of credit there. We're going to give Ohio State a lot of credit as well. We'll be back in the Horseshoe on Tuesday for Ryan Day's press conference. Make sure to check us out on the YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Uh, come hang out with us on the Letterman Lounge message board. We're answering all, answering all subscriber questions there. That's Tim May. I'm Spencer Holbrook. That's the Horseshoe. Ohio yeah. State, Arkansas State at noon on Saturday. We'll see you guys there. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first 
$5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.